I am so glad to be back with you today, and I want to encourage you to connect with me for the next few minutes. I'm going to, I've got a little time, so I'm going to try not to rush this, but I want to kind of encapsulate everything that we've talked about a little bit on Sunday morning for the past two months and give you a kind of snapshot of all that we've been through because I know all of us have not been able to be here for all of, uh, you know, it's kind of hard to, uh, in summer to pull off certain things because we know people go and they have vacation and uh, here and there Beverly and I understand that and we appreciate the fact that uh, you're with us this morning. Uh, But we've looked uh, through the book of Ephesians. As I said, our keynote verse was Ephesians 6.10, which says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. And on Sundays and Wednesdays, we've looked at the book of Ephesians and learned things that would help us be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might in order for us to be spiritually fit. And so, if you've missed, I would encourage you to go to the to, uh, go back to school, if you will, and, uh, and go back and catch some of these very important classes. In fact, Wednesday night, although I haven't had a chance to uh, go back, uh, uh, Josh stood in the gap for us on Wednesday, and I appreciate that, Josh. Uh, while I was in Mexico, just studying the Word. Uh, and just plugging in with you on a Wednesday night. In fact, this Wednesday, he will be back at that. Beverly and I have to uh, be up north because I've got a Church on the Rock Network of Ministers board meeting on Thursday morning, and so he'll be here. I want to encourage you to come and, and plug in with Josh. But we this summer, we've been working it out. We've actually had memory verses for you to memorize. And in fact, though we didn't do the memory verse this morning, we've got one, and I think it's in your bulletin. I want to encourage you to to use that and and memorize these verses. In fact, you also hopefully have in your bulletin uh, a a devotional. We've given you devotionals every week to sit down with your family and grow spiritually and be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. And on Sunday morning, we took the book of Ephesians and we've identified some spiritual exercises. And here they are. And I want to encourage you to go back and just uh, rehearse them and, and continue. How many of you know you can't do push-ups one time and it do you any good? I said you can't do push-ups one time and they do you any good. You've got to stay with it. Everybody say stay with it. You can tell I've been staying with my exercise program. Uh, I, I worked pretty hard in, in Mexico. That, that, uh, that uh, what do I do, uh, Ryan? I'm the, the, kind of the supervisor. That supervisory work is awfully hard. I think somebody posted a picture of me digging a ditch or uh, digging a pit. You can look at that. I did work a little bit, and I I try to stay physically fit, but especially spiritually fit. Here's the exercises. The first one was this out of the book of Ephesians. The exercise of knowing. Everyone say knowing. There's some things if you don't know, you won't grow. And the Ephesians didn't know some things. They didn't know who they were in Christ. And Paul writes this letter to them. They'd gotten kind of lazy spiritually and, and they'd gotten kind of, uh, you know, self-serving in their mindset. And he wrote this book to them. And he, and really the first three chapters is, is really a defining of who we are in Christ and what we have as Christians. We're seated with Christ in heavenly places. He's blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Until you know who you are in Christ, you'll never be able to grow spiritually and be victorious and be strong spiritually. 
And then we looked at the exercise of sitting. Most people thought that was cool. Exercise while you're seated? Absolutely. Because Paul said, we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. We've got to take our position. In fact, I said, if if you're going to remain seated, seated, you've got to learn to take your stand against the influences of this world that are trying to unseat you from your place in Christ Jesus. Important lesson that we all need to learn. And then we looked at the exercise of fitting. Everyone say fitting. Paul said in Ephesians 2.21, we're being fitted together. We talked about the chisel of God. We talked about the reality that a lot of people, they get unnerved if they don't find where they fit. They want to know, where do I fit? And there's some validity to that. God has created you in a certain way. And I'm not speaking of your gifting, but how many of you know God doesn't uh, take us and find where we fit. He takes us and he chisels on us until we fit where he wants us to fit. Amen. Everyone say hashtag hashtag chisel time. You got to let the chisel of God go to work in your life. And then we looked at the exercise of walking. There's five ways we walk in Ephesians, and I won't go through them. You got to walk in wisdom, walk in love, walk in good works, and walk worthy of the calling wherein you're called. I think I just did it. I don't know if that was four or five. Walk in the light. There's all five. You got to learn how to live out your life and walk the way God would have you to walk. And then we looked at the exercise of loving in the book of Ephesians. There's a lot there about, about the love of God. In fact, when uh, Paul wrote to the Ephesians, there were two things that got his attention that caused him to feel like that they were worthy of an investment. He said, when I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for one another, I was moved to, to write this letter. Uh, and then there's all kinds of places there throughout uh, the, 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 the book talking about the love of God. And in fact, I think the last verse talks about those who love God in sincerity. And so, so we've got to exercise the love of God, not only uh, uh, for Him and, and to Him, but for one another. How many of you know if, you're, if you love Jesus, you've got to love other people? Amen. And then we looked at the exercise of working. Everyone say Working. You know, something, something interesting about kingdom business, it takes work and effort and energy. Ephesians 2.10 says we were created for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And then last week we had our, our guests with us and Phil Thompson did a great job, ministered to me and helped me uh, just be able to sit, soak it up and, and, and be ministered to after my mother's passing. And it just was a great time where he shared with us. It was wonderful. If you missed last Sunday, get on iTunes, get on our website and listen to Pastor Philip Thompson from Victory Church in Wapaka, uh, uh, Wisconsin, minister to you from this podium. It was an excellent word from God. And today, here we are. Everybody say, here we are. Look at your neighbor and say, here we are. Amen. Now, I've got 32 minutes till noon. How many of you will give me a little... I told you it's going to take me a little effort. We're finishing up. I want to talk to you about the exercise of warring. The exercise of warring. How many of you know if you're going to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might, you're going to be that way in order for you and I to be victorious over the powers and the principalities and powers that are against us. How many of you know we've got enemies in the world? Now, turn to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Let me show you this. I want to encourage everybody to go there, or in some of your case, power up and scroll down. I hadn't quite got there yet. 
I have a friend who preaches from an iPad, and, and I just, for the life of me, I, I could not do that. I, maybe one day, uh, I just, something about this old book that I love. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren. Everyone say, finally. Now, that's an important word. We'll look at it in a moment. Fine, in other words, hey, let me just throw it out. Hey, after all that we've been through this summer, finally, let me just leave you with something hugely important. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And for me that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word. And I thank you, Lord God, for this summer emphasis of being able to be spiritually fit. I pray, Lord, you would take our efforts and our endeavors, Lord, and apply them in our heart. And we can come out being strong in the Lord and in the power of your might. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Let me make two statements today that you need to write down, you need to ponder. Spiritual warfare, number one, is the big finally that every Christian must be exercised in. When you look at this passage and you realize Paul's saying, now, let me say something of huge, of huge importance. After all that we've said about knowing who you are in Christ and being seated with Christ in heavenly places and, and being fitted together and walking in love and walking in wisdom uh, and talking about how we love and how we are to work the work, finally, you've got to understand something. There's spiritual enemies in the world and you've got to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Spiritual warfare is the big finally that every Christian must be exercised in. Statement number two, spiritual warfare is not optional. It is absolutely essential. It's not optional. You know, there's a, there's a mindset in our world today, let's just all get along. You know, in fact, we've got some of our leadership in the world today, they're trying to, uh, to, to convince Hamas that we just all need to get along. When in reality, Hamas, their belief is that Israel and all the rest of us are infidels and we need to die. How many of you know you can't convince that, that we're just going to get along? Listen, in a, from a spiritual standpoint, we have enemies that cannot be, uh, uh, you can't discuss things with them. You can't come to a commonality with them. You can't make a deal with the devil. Understand something, we've got enemies in this world that we must war against. Are you with me? Say amen. And let me just jump out there today and give you a big warning. There's a warning that I want to give you today. I would encourage you today, if you need to take a picture of it, tweet it, post it, memorize it, here's a warning that you, need, you and I need to embrace and understand. If we refuse to involve ourselves in the exercise of spiritual warfare, our defeat is certain, our future is forfeited, and the harvest of God is sorely limited. I want us to say that together. Everyone say warning. 
Give your neighbor one of these warnings. Listen, hey, here, let's read it together. If we refuse to involve ourselves in the exercise of spiritual warfare, our defeat is certain, our future is forfeited, and the harvest of God is sorely limited. You need to realize that. We need to recognize that spiritual warfare is not optional. It is absolutely essential. You cannot make a deal with the devil. You can't get along with the enemy. They are here. The fact the scripture says, Jesus said in John 10, 10, the thief comes not but for to steal, kill, and to destroy. That is his plan for you, your family, and your family's family. The devil doesn't like me. He doesn't like my wife. He certainly doesn't like my children, and he hates my grandchildren. He is my enemy. And we need to understand that. And if we don't war against that, our defeat is certain, our future is forfeited, and the harvest of God, which we have been sent here to harvest, has been sorely limited. It's the exercise of warring. Now let me just give you some info. How many of you know Scripture says uh, that we should not be ignorant of the devil's devices? Let me give you some insight about our enemy today. Our enemy, of uh, uh, which we cannot, uh, uh, you, can't, you can't just play like, hey, he's not there. Our enemy, there's three things quickly I want you to know about our enemy. We read about them. It says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. It, uh, in fact, verse 11, uh, we've got to stand against the wiles of the devil. We war against principalities and powers, against the rulers of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Let me tell you about our enemy. Number one, our enemy is strategic. In fact, the word, the word wiles, it says we do not war against the, we, we should stand against the wiles of the devil. It means the methodology. How many of you know the devil has a methodology and a strategy against you? He's scheming and, 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 and conniving right now and, and, and he uses all methodologies and means to undermine the destiny of God for your life. He'll distract you. He'll dilute the word of God. He'll deceive you and ultimately he will destroy you. He has a methodology and plan for your life. We've heard of the, the four spiritual laws. One of them is God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Listen, the devil hates you and he has a terrible plan for your life. He is strategizing right now how he can invade your world, influence your life, uh, undermine your, your spirituality, and keep you from walking with God and fulfilling the destiny of God for your life. He's very strategic. Number two, our enemy is satanic. You need to realize that. Verse 11 here says, uh, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. In fact, the scripture also says that, that, that uh, uh, our enemy is not flesh and blood, but spiritual. We're warring against the devil. He is our enemy. Number three, our enemy is not only strategic and satanic, it's a spiritual battle we're facing. How many of you know you can't wage war against spiritual enemies from a physical standpoint? Many people try to fix things and, and, and resist things that come your way from a natural mindset. Listen, we've got spiritual enemies and we need spiritual help. In fact, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. That means fleshly. But they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. 
We've got a spiritual weaponry at, at our uh, uh, disposal that we need to incorporate in our life to wage war against the enemy. And my friend, I understand something about life. I know it's a fight. And Paul said, I've fought a good fight. How many of you have ever had a good fight? Anybody ever had a fight? I've only had one fist fight and I lost. It was not a good fight. How many of you know what a good fight is? It's one you win. I've learned about fights that, that uh, you can't just go into it half-hearted. You've got to go into it to win. And if you fight, you win. If you'll, if you'll engage rightly and, and, and correctly, we're going to talk about that, you will be victorious. In fact, we, we sang a song just a moment ago. We have overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. How, how many of you thank God for the blood of the Lamb? But then we've got the word of our testimony, and we've got a life to live and a story to tell. Amen. Now, though I won't go into it, we looked at our enemy, now our equipment. We've got some equipping. The equipment that God's given us, this is called the armor of God. I won't go over it in detail. I'm just going to outline it. These are things you've got to apply in your life. We've taught series on this before. Let me just show it to you. Verse 13, it says, take up the whole armor or the full armor of God. That means fully and rightly. Everyone say fully and rightly. Here they are. Number one, the belt of truth. Now, just a little commentary about the belt of truth. It says, gird your loins about with the belt of truth. Could I just say that word loin refers to the place of uh, procreative power? How many of you know one of the biggest battles our culture faces is one of immorality and sexual perversion in our life? And, and, and so the first, I, I think it interesting that, that Paul, uh, and by way of the Holy Spirit, addresses that first. In other words, let, let truth rule and reign in, in every area of your life beginning with the place of sexual temptation and holiness and rightness and righteousness in our life. And then he says, put on the breastplate of righteousness. Oh, I wish I could talk about this more, but it covers those vital organs of our life uh, that we protect by the power of God. And then the gospel shoes. The God, it says, uh, put on the shoes of peace, the gospel of peace. Let me tell you something. God got, has got us here to carry the gospel to a world that is without Christ. And a bit, how many of you know, I think God would protect somebody who had it as their business of life to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the gospel shoes. And then he says, take up the shield of faith wherewith you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. If I'm not mistaken, I remember Jim teaching on the shield of faith. Did you, and he talked about it's not a little shield. It's a, it's a full shield that you can just covers every area of your life. And how many of you know nothing about this armor, uh, is anything on the back? And the reason it is, we're not running from the devil. We're, we're pressing forward. I would say press forward. There is no option to turn back. There is no option to, to, to run scared. We must, we must advance against our enemies. Above all, taking the shield of faith. And then the helmet of salvation. Oh, man, we cover our mind and our thoughts with the reality that we have been bought with a price. That we are born again. The helmet of salvation. And then the sword of the Spirit. 
which is the Word of God. I'm telling you, that's a powerful thought that we, we know the Word of God is like a sword. It says it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing and dividing between joints and marrow. The Word of God is living and active. And what did the devil uh, uh, experience when he tempted Jesus? The Word of God. Now, the Word of God is, uh, will be victorious in our life. And then the last one is praying always. Everyone say praying always. God has equipped us and empowered us. And if we'll take this armor up and we'll begin to step out in faith, we'll be victorious. But how many of you know it says the whole armor? You can't pick and choose. I said you can't pick and choose. You know, I find some people are great word people. That's a good thing to be as a word man. But their prayer life is lacking. Some people, their, their whole focus is faith, faith, faith. I got faith, faith, faith. A man, above all, take the shield of faith. I get it. But listen, you've got to also have the belt of truth. You've got to have it all. Everybody say you've got to have it all. It's the full armor of God, not just portions of it. And I fear that many of God's people, some of them just have the helmet of salvation on. You don't, let me, I just got a really scary mind picture. And I, did you get somebody, all they got on is their helmet. Hello, that ain't cool. I don't want to lead your mind in the gutter, but that scared me right there. Just thinking about a lot of God's people, they think, oh, I got it. I got the helmet of salvation. But there's, we, we are unclothed from a spiritual standpoint and we are vulnerable. Hey, we are naked and afraid. I haven't watched that show, by the way. I did see the advertisement. It was not pleasant. That's the way a lot of God's, God's kids live life spiritually. Okay? And then finally, listen, let me give you some thoughts about the fact that we, of, of our equipping that I want you to see from this verse. Our equipping. Number one, it must be complete. That's what I just mentioned. You've got to have the whole armor of God. You can't, ha- you can't pick and choose. We've got to get completely uh, uh, addressed and prepared for this battle that we are in, uh, that the enemy has come to engage us in. Number two, it must be correct. That, that whole armor means fully and rightly. You, you gotta, you gotta get it right. And he said, for we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. In other words, listen, it's not a natural battle. A lot of people spend all their time fighting flesh and blood. Listen, most of the time, the force behind the flesh and blood is, is, is spiritual. You gotta get it right. How many of you know mankind is not your enemy? Your boss is not your enemy. I didn't get one amen there. Amen. Hey, politics are not your enemy. Presidential candidates, uh, hey, they're not our enemy. Hey, it's a spiritual battle. Doesn't mean we don't engage uh, humanity from a political standpoint or from a moral standpoint or from a righteous standpoint. It means the source of our battle is not flesh and blood. You got to get it correct. Your equipping you must be complete. You must be correct in your understanding and assessment of who you're battling. And number three, we must be compliant. What do you mean compliant? Well, go back to Ephesians six ten. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the what? In the Lord. 
You got to get compliance down. If you're going to be victorious, you got to be submitted to the captain of the Lord's army. You can't live a rebel life. I've met a lot of people. Come on, I'm going to get something off my chest. There are a lot of people who call themselves Christians, but they got rebel running through the core of their being. They don't want anybody telling them what to do. They got their own little thing going. They don't want to submit to the governance of God in their life. They are their own. They're a lone ranger in the kingdom. Listen, they are not compliant to the word of God. We've got a Lord and we've got a captain and we, guess what? We've got a family of faith of which we are all to be submitted to one another in the fear of God. I got it off my chest. Go tell people what I just said. They need to hear it. Because if you are not compliant, you are a loner. And listen, when we read through Ephesians, we realized that together we can do great things. It was not God's intent for anybody to be independent and self-sufficient and, and unconnected to a local church. Ever. Come on, somebody say amen. There is no, it's just not there. We need one another. We need the kingdom of God. And without it, we guess what? We are naked and afraid and uncovered. So our equipping, it must be complete, it must be correct, and it must be compliant. And now finally, let me talk about our exercising. The proper exercise of spiritual warfare allows us, number one, to be fully and rightly positioned. How many of you know in warfare, position is everything? If you've ever studied war, if you've ever studied battle, and I haven't, but I've, I've seen some of this on some of the uh, geographic channels and whatnot, talking even about, you know, some of the great battles of the Civil War and some of the great battles of World War I and World War II, and we learn that position is everything. And that's the way it is from a spiritual standpoint. And we learned in the book of Ephesians that we must be positioned in Christ. And as we look at this armor of God, we've got to be positioned to receive what God has for us to receive. Everyone say, take up. There in Ephesians says, take up the full armor of God. Did you know that really means to receive? I don't know why they said take up, but the real word there is receive. In other words, you've got to be at a place. You can't just reach out. I'm taking this, God. He wants to give it to you. You've got to be at a place where you can receive the full armor of God. I'm convinced that some, for example, if some people are not compliant to the Lordship of Christ and the governance of God in their life, they cannot receive from God because how many of you know God resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. So we've got to be fully and rightly positioned. We've got to be positioned in Christ. We've got to be positioned to receive. And number three, we've got to be positioned to stand. Everyone say stand. I love verse 11 through 14. He says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to, come on, stay with me. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. He goes down in verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities, against the rulers of the darkness of the age, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take the whole armor of God that you may be able to with in the evil day, evil day and in having done all to stand. Stand therefore. He's trying to get across a point. Four different ways in three verses. He said, you've got to take your stand. You've got to be fully and rightly positioned in this spiritual battle. You've got to take your position in Christ. You've got to take your position to receive all that he has for you. And you've got to take your position to take your stand against the things of this world. I'm convinced most people do not get the victory because they are not positioned rightly. 
And so our proper position is so paramount. We've got to be fully and rightly positioned. And number two, we've got to be fully and rightly partnered. We realize through these passages that victory is a partnership. In fact, the verse we sang about in Revelation, we overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. Jesus did his part and by the word of our testimony. Victory is a partnership. Warfare is a partnership. Aren't you glad Jesus didn't put you out there with a water pistol to take on hell? I got five of them, Josh. I said, let me try this side over here. Let me try this section right here. Not Nobody else. Y'all play like y'all aren't here. How many appreciate the fact that God didn't just give you a water pistol to take on hell? All right, all right. Y'all are there. I won't pick on y'all. Amen. You, we've got to be positioned rightly and realize it's a partnership. We've got to be fully and rightly protected. That's why it says, take up the whole armor of God. If you, if you pick and choose, as we said, you'll not be rightly protected. If you leave out any part of that armor of God, you will not be properly protected. You, cannot be go, you can't get out in life uh, without your shoes on. I'm telling you, I, hey, let me just, can I get something else off my chest? It has nothing to do with this message. I've just been noticing it. I, I walk and I ride my bicycle around my neighborhood. Did you know there are people that weeded in their, in, without any shoes on? Grown adults. Weed eating without their shoes. And then this morning, no, yesterday evening, a young boy mowing. He, he was on a mower, but he had no shoes on. The popo in me wanted to jump out of my truck. I mean, as a grown man, I want to just stop my bicycle and say, Sir, go put on your shit. I'm calling your mother. I got that on my chest too. But hey, when it comes to the spiritual armor of God, you can't get out there uncovered. If you get rightly exercising in this warfare and you get properly prepped and ready, you're going to be, you're going to be protected. Fully and rightly protected. And number five, you'll be fully and rightly powered. You'll have the right power. It's be strong where? In the Lord. And in the power of His might. You see, you have no power over the devil. But he who does lives on the inside of you. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I got the victor living in me. I'm more than a conqueror through Christ. It's time to step up to the plate and realize we cannot, as I said earlier, refuse to involve ourselves in the exercise of spiritual warfare. We must engage the enemy. If we don't, our defeat is certain and our future is forfeited. And the harvest of God that He intends for us to reap is sorely limited. It's time to war. It's time to go to war. It's time to prepare ourselves for battle. I woke up this morning. And oh, I appreciate it when the Holy Spirit wakes me up with something good on my mind. I woke up this morning with this thought, my morning thought before I ever got out of bed. I wasn't sure I was wide awake. But that's usually after I get wide awake, the Lord says, ah, he's, he, he's helpless now. I can't talk to him. He gets other things on his mind. Here's my morning thought about this message today that God gave me in the wee hours of the morning. 
A defensive posture alone will not win the war for the souls of men. We must storm the gates of hell with a bold offensive against the spiritual forces of wickedness. A defensive posture alone. Let me pause there. Most people's spirituality stops right there. I just need to keep the devil off my back. I'm just doing what I can to keep him out. Stay out of my house. Get off my kid. I'm locking my doors at night. A defensive posture. I think of Israel. They would be no more if they were defensive posturing them, defensively posturing themselves. They are not desirous to hurt people and harm people. But you start shooting rockets at them, they will shoot back. Listen. We got to start fighting back. There's no such thing as peace with the enemy. You can't make peace with Hamas, and you can't make peace with the devil. They just signed a 24-hour ceasefire. You know what that's for? So everybody can reload. Or move, the, move, their, move around so that rocket doesn't hit where they know it's going to hit in less than in 24 hours. Come on, could I, are, are, am I right? You can't make peace with these enemies. A defensive posture alone will not win the war for the souls of men. We must storm the gates of hell with a bold offensive against the spiritual forces of wickedness. And that's where we're going to launch out next Sunday. Because we're going to get serious about spiritual warfare. And learning how to fight this fight and storm the gates of hell. You see, Jesus said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Guess what? The church. Jesus said, I will build my church. Look at your neighbor and say, hello, church. I will build my church. And the church that I build, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And listen, gates are defensive. You know who needs to be on the defense? That's the devil. It's time we get offensive in our spiritual warfare and quit trying to make peace with things that need to be defeated. One of the biggest problems in the, in the world today, and, and you just go back and read your Old Testament history. You read what, what God would tell the Israelites, pardon me, kill them all. The last thing you need is descendants who got a chip on their shoulder. And when they didn't obey that, they paid the price. There's nothing pleasant about war. But listen, it's not optional. It's absolutely necessary. We need fathers who are fighters. We need mothers who are warriors. We need teenagers who are soldiers in the army of God. And realize there's a war going on. We've got to stand and fight. Amen. I want you to stand with me this morning. And I want to challenge you in something. I want to challenge you to realize you've got to engage the enemy. 
And if you say you have no enemies to battle, you've probably already lost the war. This morning, we've got to stand and fight. Take our stand against the powers of darkness. And encourage ourselves to get busy in the battle that God's caused us to fight. And listen, it's not about our victory, ultimately. Because here's the interesting thing about the last part of Ephesians. What did Paul say? He said, you've got to you got to put on the armor of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication for all the saints. In other words, we're fighting for our brothers and our sisters. And then he said, pray for me that an open door for the word. It, hey, we're fighting for the future of the gospel. That God would open a door for the word in Beaumont, Texas. We're fighting for those that are on their way to hell in a hurry. I'm here today preaching the word of God to you because of those who fought in my behalf. My little mother, God bless her heart, she's in heaven. And in the latter moments of her life, I just want to tell you, I was wondering if she had any consciousness of spirituality. And I would try to uh, uh, talk. She didn't know what Christmas was. It just bothered me. She didn't know what Easter was. It just bothered me. But in the latter days of her life, The hospice nurse came in and my sister-in-law was there. And my mother, who had dementia, grabbed both of their hands. And in an unintelligible, demented form, my mother started praying. I don't know what she was praying. But it let me know, for me personally, that the Spirit of God within her was still alive and well. Her mind was shot. Her spirit was alive and well. And she was warring in the behalf of somebody. When I was a little bitty boy, I can take you. I think the house is torn down, but I can take you to the spot. My little mama knelt down with me by, by my bed and prayed that I would receive Jesus Christ in my heart. She warred in my behalf. I'm here today because people fought for me. We cannot step away from the reality. God called us to be warriors. The fight of fight. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, this day, I want to step up to a greater level of spiritual authority in my life. Begin to take my position as a warrior and a fighter in the family of faith. If that's you, lift your hand wherever you are. We're, hey, what did I say? There is no option but to pr- pr- press forward. But let me tell you something. There will be no progress without a fight. Father, we lift our hands to you as warriors. Some of us have been disengaged. God, we just quickly ask you to forgive us and we just choose today to get back in the fight. We're not going to quit. We're not going to back up. We're not going to retire from the...
family of faith in the fight that you have for us. Lord, in fact, we're going to heat it up. We're going to heat up the spiritual warfare. We're going to get off defense and get on, on offense. And we're going to storm the gates of hell. And Lord, we're going to position ourselves rightly in you and, and to receive what you have for us. And to, and to empower ourselves with the word and the will of God to be victorious. Not just for our own life. Lord, not just to survive, but to thrive. And Lord God, to, to uh, engage the enemy in behalf of our culture. Engage the enemy in behalf of our family. and Engage the enemy in behalf of our children, our children's children, and, and for our neighbors and even our enemies, God. I'm asking you to stir up the warlike spirit within us all, Lord. For you said you would, you would stir yourself up like a man of war. Lord, may we stir ourselves up like men and women of war and take our our place on the front lines of faith and stand against the enemies Lord that are trying to overrun this church trying to overrun this community and trying to overrun our families we defy the enemies of God over this area in Jesus name in Jesus name in Jesus name everybody said amen Now let me close with this. It's 12.01. For our church family, I gave you three words this past few weeks that'll help you in all of this. They all begin with the letter I. You gotta involve yourself in your church family and in this fight. Everyone say involve. That doesn't mean sit in a chair. It means get involved. You gotta invest yourself. How many of those soldiers on the front line invested themselves? They're, they're not just there making a paycheck, are they? They're, lay, they're, they're laying it on the line. Investing, giving all they've got. Listen, our only option is press forward. And number three, invite. You've got to reach out to your friends and family. Everyone say involve, invest, and invite. It's got to begin today. We can't wait for somebody to get back off vacation. We can't wait for somebody to just wander through the door. We can't, we're, the, we're the greatest evangelical tool known to man. And, I, and let, me, let me just tell you, as the pastor of this church, I need you to hear me now. It's time to involve. It's time to invest. And it's time to invite. I said it's time to involve. It's time to invest. and time to invite. And everybody said amen. Now I'm going to pray for you today one more time. Let me just say this. If you're here today and you're searching for a church home, this is a place to get involved. This is a place to invest, place to invest your life. We don't sit soaking sour here. We're not the biggest. We're not the brightest. We're not the best. Well, in some ways we are. I don't know any other church, any other church in America that's drilled 250 water wells in Mexico. Just had to throw that out. Amen. We have our strengths. Probably in the world. In fact, because I'm old and cranky, I can just say anything else I want. This well, this well we drilled uh, on Thursday, one of, the, one of the brothers came in to get him the photo, photo. He had his guitar. I said, give me the guitar. And while they were taking photos, I was singing, I've got a river of life flowing out of me. That's probably never happened in the history of the world. I made history on Thursday, and you helped. Hey, we're not the biggest, we're not the brightest, we're not the best. But this is our family. 
We've got to involve ourselves, invest ourselves, and invite others to come be in our family. If you're here today and you're searching for a a family, you're in the right place. We are a family of faith. If you're searching for a church home, you need a place to plug in and invest your life and receive the investment that this church has for you. And I would encourage you to pray. In fact, let's bow our heads and I'm going to let you go. And I'm not doing this as a manipulative ploy, but if you're here today and you're searching for a church home, I'm not going to invite you to the front, but I am going to invite you to let me pray for you. If you're searching for a church home, wherever you are, lift your hand. I'm going to pray for you right where you sit. I'm not going to manipulate you to the front. Anyone say, I'm searching for my place. I see that hand. I see that hand. Amen. Anyone else? Just say, I'm searching. I need to find my place. Amen. You can put your hands down. I'm going to pray for you. Lord, right now today, I pray for those who lifted their hands. I pray, Lord, they would somewhere, some way, I hope it's here, Lord, but somewhere, some way, hear the voice within the voice and hear the shepherd's heart. And they would be connected in their heart and plug in and invest their life into a local church. And Lord, just from a personal standpoint, I'd love it if it was here. But we, we commit them to the will of God. And we pray if you're guiding them and leading them to be a part of this church, that in their hearts today, they would hear the divine okie-dokie from the Holy Spirit. And they would know that they were home. And they would hear the voice within the voice. And you would lead them to plug in and connect and, and invest their lives here and invest their hearts and their families here so they can be a part of a kingdom advancement. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. If you love the Lord with all your heart, give the Lord a great big God bless you. Amen. Oh, and let me say, if you got the divine okie-dokie, I'm telling you, I know when it happens, when I'm on target. And if you got the divine okie-dokie and you believe you're at home, you get in the car today with your loved one, you say, oh, did you feel what I felt? I felt the divine okie-dokie. And next week, when you come back, you can just come take me or in the altar and just say, you just do this right here. Oh, we got you. We know. Hey, I got the divine okie-dokie. This is where I need to plug in and get involved. We'll welcome you into the family of faith. It's going to be a great time. And so, amen. Whew, I feel better now. And it's only 12.06. I did pretty good. Amen. Uh, so we're going, to, we're going to count. We haven't done it. We're going to count to three and we're going to shout hallelujah. You got some shout left in you? All right. I don't want no mamby-pamby shouting. I want, I want warrior shouts now. I'm, all the warriors say amen. I want warriors shout. We're going to shout hallelujah. One. Are you ready? Two, three, hallelujah. God bless you. Love somebody before you go. And we'll see you Wednesday night right here as Josh leads us in studying the word of God.